The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. West End of the Delaney Park Strip in downtown Anchorage, near where N Street intersects the park, there is a rose garden. It's a lovely oasis in the urban part of the city, and I used to walk through there sometimes when I worked downtown. In February of 1981, right next to the rose garden, Pope John Paul II said Mass and addressed a crowd of 46,000 people or more from around the state. A monument sits nearby the Rose Garden, bearing witness to this four-and-a-half-hour stop in Anchorage made by the Pope. During his address, the pontiff shared, Being here in Alaska, so richly endowed with the beauties of nature, at once so rugged and yet so splendid, we sense the presence of God's Spirit in the manifold handiwork of creation. And not only do we feel His presence in inanimate nature and in the order of plants and animals, but all the more so in the precious gift of life which God has breathed into each one of his sons and daughters. Two years later, the Rose Garden was back in the news, and so were some of those sons and daughters of God. It all started when a homeless man died at the Holy Family Cathedral in downtown. The man was sleeping in a dumpster and was killed when it was emptied. The incident motivated Archbishop Francis Hurley to take on the problem of homelessness in the city. Hurley invited members of the religious order, Servant Brothers, to minister to the homeless in the city. Hurley's invitation was based on the success the Servant Brothers had in serving among the homeless population in Spokane, Washington. The Servant Brothers agreed to come to Anchorage. After arriving, those experiencing homelessness were welcomed by the brothers into a makeshift, drop-in, overnight shelter set up in a vacant office on 4th Avenue. Soon that space was overcrowded, triggering concerns over health and safety. Brother Bob and Brother Dave, the brothers charged with serving the homeless population, began looking for a new location. The location they landed on was the Rose Garden. Soon they had a tent city built in and around that lovely space on the park strip. The tent city also drew concerns over health and safety. Years later, Mayor of Anchorage at the time, Tony Knowles, remembered those years. Knowles was quoted as saying, That was the beginning of a journey, which started with contacting the Archbishop, who brought the participation of Brother Bob and Dave to start with the municipality an emergency temporary residence in an empty space on 4th Avenue. Because of their leadership, the community willingly accepted their moral responsibility for this issue, and those in need knew that they had a caring and loving partner. Using a federal development grant, and with the assistance of the Anchorage Utilities and Anchorage Assembly, land and a building were developed for a permanent structure on Post Road. 
After many years and many renovations and improvements, it now provides essential services for hundreds of Alaskans. For a short period, a tent city was erected on Alaska Railroad land and supplied with fresh water and toilets while a new building was being erected. That's the building that Knowles referenced. That building was on Post Road and is the Brother Francis Shelter, which has now served Anchorage for over 40 years. One of those renovations was a new facility in the same location built in the early 2000s. While Knowles was mayor, he also formed a task force on runaway and homeless youth in 1985. A researcher working as part of that effort identified 600 youth experiencing homelessness in the city, but speculation was that the number was far higher. However, it was once again Archbishop Francis Hurley that got the ball rolling for services. In 1987, Hurley contacted Covenant House International for help addressing the needs of homeless youth in Anchorage. In the fall of 1988, Covenant House Alaska opened its doors in the former Armed Services YMCA building at 6th Avenue and F Street, the building that now houses Willowaw Social. For the past 34 years, Covenant House has served youth in our city and is now headquartered at 8th Avenue and A Street. Looking back, it's interesting to see how both Knowles and Hurley were instrumental in addressing the needs of both youth and adults experiencing homelessness. The story is a beautiful image of the city leadership, both mayor and assembly, churches, social services, and the community coming together to address the issue of homelessness. This type of partnership seems to be a dream in the current environment where the different groups can't seem to all get on the same page. These projects from the past offer a blueprint for how a local and national government, religious organizations, businesses, utilities, and citizens can come together to get something done. I'm also surprised at the speed in which these projects, the Brother Francis Shelter and Covenant House, came into reality, moving from an idea to service in the space of a year or two. However, what doesn't come as a surprise is the era in which Anchorage's response to homelessness got its start. The American Journal of Public Health back in 1994 estimated that 8.5 million Americans experienced homelessness between 1985 and 1990. That same article noted, when homelessness first surfaced in a public awareness in the early 1980s, it was viewed as a tragic but temporary aberration affecting particularly vulnerable segments of the population. The deep recession from 1982 to 1983 had brought a precipitous but temporary rise in unemployment. Accordingly, many people expected the crisis of homelessness to be short-lived and be largely resolved by the next upturn in the business cycle. In a more recent study, Homelessness Across Alaska, the Canadian North, and Greenland, it's noted that over the past three decades, homelessness has emerged as an area of significant social concern in Alaska. From the literature, they hire some of the reasons and realities of homelessness in Alaska. The authors note that homelessness documented in Alaska appears to be tied to broader geographical flows of people, resources, social upheaval, and poverty. They further highlight that homelessness in Alaska and elsewhere in the circumpolar north is characterized by unique vulnerabilities and stressful structural conditions, including exposure to cold weather, wildlife encounters, insufficient housing stock, and low vacancy rates. Shelters operate at capacity and many people are turned away with no other place to go. As a result, death is a fairly regular occurrence among people experiencing homelessness in Alaska, especially during the winter 
and homelessness is a frequent topic in local media throughout the winter. They caution the reader that significant gaps in our knowledge about homelessness in Alaska persist. A primary issue is the widely acknowledged underestimation of the homeless population because factors related to northern geographical and sociocultural contexts hinder accurate estimation. These factors include the difficulty of estimating hidden homelessness, especially in remote rural communities. The report adds that there are factors that contribute to this rise of homelessness that are unique to the Arctic, such as Beyond climate, this northern geography of homelessness is indelibly tied to the settlement and colonial histories of each of these regions, as well as to the contemporary landscape of remote rural settlements, hub towns, and larger urban settings. They add, Northern homelessness appears to be unique because of particular ways in which people and resources flow unevenly through urban and rural settlements. Research on the ways in which rural-urban unevenness and migration contribute to northern homelessness remains limited, particularly in Alaska and Greenland. The urban concentration of health and social services, criminal justice systems, emergency shelters, economic opportunities, and friendship and kinship networks upon which northerners at risk of homelessness are particularly dependent all shape the rural-to-urban migration of these northerners. Often limited and expensive transportation routes mean that such mobility is more often than not a one-way move to the town or the city. The article further elaborates, saying, Their chronic nature makes homelessness and housing insecurity persistent issues across the North. High costs of construction and housing maintenance, low vacancy rates, high income inequality, and the significant pressure on very limited public housing stock have meant that anyone who struggles with low income, poor mental health, addictions, and other forms of personal life crisis is at risk of becoming homeless. The high rates of chronic homelessness in the North reflect Northern housing insecurity, limited transitional housing options, and the lack of adequate or appropriate supports for people experiencing mental health and addiction issues. Over the past 30 or 40 years, homelessness has risen in Anchorage, Alaska, the North, and the United States in general. And as that report states, the issue is both chronic and complex. Anchorage offered a community partnership approach to the issue in the 1980s, a model that could speak to how we might proceed in the here and now. We will continue our exploration of homelessness in Anchorage after this break. And there are deserts I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you're informed, inspired, encouraged, or just plain enjoy this podcast, will you do me a favor? You will be rewarded. Go to whatever podcast app you use and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Those ratings, reviews, and subscriptions help more people find and listen to us. 
I also encourage you to like and follow the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative, the organization behind the Anchorage City Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're at Anchorage UTC, and on Instagram, we're at Anchorage UTC. So what's the reward? Aside from the warm feeling of knowing you're helping to spread the word about this great podcast, if you rate, review, or subscribe to this podcast, and we hope you do all three, or you share a post about the Anchored City podcast on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag Anchored City, send proof like a screenshot to anchorageutc at gmail.com along with your snail mail address and we'll send a little swag out to you. So once again, rate, review, and subscribe for the Anchored City podcast on whatever app you use to listen to this podcast or share a post about the podcast on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag Anchored City, take a screenshot, send it to our email address, which is anchorageutc at gmail.com, along with your snail mail address, and we'll get you some free swag for helping us get the word out about this podcast. Now, back to the episode. homeless crisis of the late 1980s and early 1990s, I was a high school student. One afternoon as I sat in the science class at my conservative Christian private school, the teacher made a comment about homelessness. I remember him saying, those people choose to live like that. The comment was far off topic and equally outside the expertise of the teacher. The statement also didn't sit right with me. I didn't know why, but something about it didn't add up. Why would anyone choose to be homeless? I remember inarticulately responding, but I don't recall what I said. Over the years, I've heard many more people make the same claim, and I've met one person who answers back much better than I did as a high school student. Hi, I'm Josh Lowers. Uh, I've worked at Covenant House um, for about 10 years, and and I've been on a number of different boards and commissions and, and other work in the city around homelessness. And um, when someone asks me or when someone states to me that they believe people are choosing to be homeless, um, the question that I have is, what is the other choice? Um, the young people that I've met over the years and, and a number of the, the adults who I know who, who are uh, outside or, or sleeping in camps, uh, very often they're choosing um, a place that they have some control over, but that um, they're not, the other options include unsafe places. And for a young person, that might be an unsafe home, uh, a place where there's violence, a place where there is uh, potential for sexual violence or, or other things. Um, one time I, I was doing street outreach um, early in the morning and I found a woman uh, sleeping under a dumpster. And I said, hey, we should, um, or let's see if we can, you know, get you connected to housing. She said, do you have housing for me? Um, and I said, I don't, but I can get you connected to the people who do. 
Um, and that was at a particular time in our city um, when, when some of our sheltering was, um, I think, particularly rough. Um, and she said, I don't want to go to the shelters because I don't feel safe there. There's drugs there. There's violence there. I'm, I feel safer right here. And so, so to me, um, for folks, um, I think there's very few people who who would wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'd like to be homeless and sleep in the woods. Um, I think that there are there are a lot of other things that happen to folks that get them um, into very difficult places, and and the best choice that they believe that they have at that time might be to be in the woods. Um, but that if they had a different choice or another option for housing or another uh, connection that would help them um, to be able to move forward, that they would take that. My high school science teacher thought he had a simple explanation for homelessness. The answer was to shift the responsibility onto those living on the street by saying they choose to live that way. But when we do that, Not only does it provide an oversimplified answer to homelessness, it removes any responsibility to respond from those making the claim. It's an easy answer, but with homelessness, there's never an easy answer. And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And though the questions are never new But loving you just once was worth it Even if I, I can't have Back in March of 2001, I received a campaign flyer in the mail. It was one of many that day, but this one stuck out. It was a large, stiff paper card. The front side was made to look like an open sign, the kind you might see hanging in a business window. The red and white faux sign read, Anchorage, let's open. The back of the flyer had the name of the candidate, described as the only conservative candidate for mayor. The rest of the back of the card listed the planks in the candidate's platform. The majority of the bullet points promised to end COVID-era restrictions, but there was one bullet point that stood out, and to this day, I've never forgotten it. That bullet point read, solve the homeless crisis. When I read it, I laughed. Don't get me wrong, I want Anchorage to have a comprehensive response to homelessness that works, yet I still laughed. I laughed because of my experience working with high-risk and street-involved youth for nearly 20 years. I laughed because I have friends and colleagues in Anchorage and around the world that work in the area of homelessness. I let out a laugh because anyone who's spent even a small amount of time studying the issue of homelessness knows that it's not an issue to be solved. Homelessness is a symptom that tells us that a host of our systems are not working. Homelessness has no simple solution because it means fixing or solving a lot of broken parts of our culture. Homelessness is like the mythical beast, the Hydra. A Hydra is a snake-like creature with multiple heads, one of which is immortal. And like a Hydra, homelessness has many heads. Affordable housing, economics, 
mental health care, physical health care, the legacy of colonialism and racism, substance abuse and misuse, human trafficking, LGBTQ plus discrimination, the rural-urban divide, the foster care system, domestic violence, even bad homeless shelters and responses to homelessness, and I'm sure I've missed a bunch of factors in that list. To solve homelessness, each of those areas needs care and attention and even their own solutions. Homelessness is not as simple as finding people on the street a place to stay or getting them tucked out of sight so tourists don't see them and businesses can flourish. Homelessness is a hydra of problems, all of which feel immortal in and of themselves. I suspect that the candidate that put out the flyer, our current mayor, Dave Bronson, had no idea of the hydra he was claiming to have the answer to when he proudly proclaimed that he could solve the homeless crisis. Over the summer, the mayor's then chief of staff, who's now in the position of homeless coordinator, Alexis Johnson, seemed to distance the administration from the bold claim of solving homelessness. Johnson said on the Alaska Landmine Radio podcast, I think one of the problems is that we get so caught up in the idea of solving homelessness that we're not looking for options for stopping the progress of homelessness. Regardless of the terminology used, the reality of homelessness remains, and it can't be ignored. If we think back to those early responses to homelessness from the 1980s, they were partnerships that worked. Today in Anchorage, partnership is not something one would use to define the response to those experiencing homelessness. In recent weeks, Conservative Assemblymember Jamie Allard, often an ally of the mayor, in audio posted September 7 by the East Anchorage Book Club podcast on their Twitter account, demanded in a meeting of the Assembly Housing and Homeless Committee that the mayor and his administration, quote, get out of the homeless business and let the Assembly do their job. Another interesting point is that those early projects in Anchorage moved fast. But today, the simplest responses seem to drag on for weeks months, years, or even longer before becoming reality. Partnerships and moving quickly to solve problems are two lessons we can learn by looking back at Anchorage's early response to homelessness. But there's one more important lesson that we can learn. Over the summer, Mayor Bronson, in an opinion piece titled Moving Forward on Anchorage Homelessness Solutions, published July 17 in the Anchorage Daily News, called the homeless situation a humanitarian crisis. Later, when the same term was applied by the media to the situation of homeless camping in Centennial Park, the mayor's spokesperson, Corey Allen Young, said that the term was an exaggeration while speaking on the podcast Alaska Landmine Radio. Those two responses to the use of the adjective humanitarian get to the core of the choice we have when thinking about those experiencing homelessness. Is it an issue or a problem? Or is homelessness about people, humans, just like you and me? The word humanitarian is defined as concerned with or seeking to promote human welfare. Isn't that what those early responses to homelessness in Anchorage were seeking to do? Isn't that what we hope our current response to homelessness might be? It's clear that the homeless response in Anchorage is facing challenges, but the answer lies in something those early responses got right and something the word humanitarian points to. It starts with Pope John Paul II and what he reminded the crowd of in 1981 when he said, the precious gift of life which God has breathed into each one of his sons and daughters. Homelessness is not a problem to be solved. 
It's a matter of getting in touch with our collective humanity. Those on the street are not an issue to be campaigned on, but rather people, like you and me, that need to be cared for. Those experiencing homelessness are not a problem, but rather people breathed into by God, as the Pope said. When we reduce those experiencing homelessness to a predicament, they lose their humanity, and so do we. Tony Knowles stated in the early years, the community willingly accepted the moral responsibility for this issue, and those in need knew that they had a caring and loving partner. Can we return to that approach? Can we, all of us, the entire community, accept our moral responsibility for the fellow humans experiencing life on the street? Can we find an approach to people, people like you and me, experiencing homelessness that communicates to them that they're people that are cared for and loved? In season one of this podcast, we looked at the issues facing the city of Anchorage. Last season, we shed a light on the places where things are or are becoming the way they're supposed to be for all people. If you listen to those two seasons, you might have noticed that we've not addressed the topic of homelessness. This was a conscious and deliberate choice. Homelessness can't be tackled in one or two episodes during a season. So we're devoting this entire season of the Anchored City podcast to the issue of homelessness. Our goal is to humanely handle the hydro that is homelessness. As we do so, we'll seek to deepen our connection to our own humanity. It's our desire to create a conversation that sees people and not a problem. The mission of this podcast is to connect with Anchorage's soul through her histories, stories, and people. And the soul of Anchorage is housed in the collective soul of the city's residents, all of us that call this city home no matter where we sleep at night. This season, we will hear stories from people most affected by the hydro of homelessness and those seeking to serve the city's most vulnerable. There's no way that this podcast will solve homelessness, but we do believe we can help our community return to being one that willingly accepts the moral responsibility for the issue. We hope that you'll join us this season. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. In light of this season being about homelessness, I want to recommend a recent episode of the ADN Politics Podcast. The title of that episode is The Past, Present, and Future of Anchorage Homelessness, What Happened, Why, and What's Next in Anchorage's Ongoing and Changing Homeless Crisis. This podcast offers a brief history of the recent homelessness response in the city. A link to this podcast can be found in the show notes. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. 
The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hands, and hearts of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lutner. <laughs> <laughs>